Hi friends, I'm Kaylin. And I'm Logan. And this is Bones, a true crime podcast. The case we have for you this week is the disappearance of Branson Perry. I feel like this is a pretty well-known case, but we've had several people suggest it, including my cousin Ruthie and one of our high school teachers, Coach Gray. So I wanted to go ahead and cover it. It is another Missouri case that I believe is drug-related, like most of them that we cover, so I thought it kind of fit in with all of our other cases. If you want to see pictures related to this week's case, you can follow us on Instagram at Bones, a True Crime Pod, or find us on Facebook at Bones, a True Crime Podcast. If you have questions or case suggestions, you can also email us at bones a true crime podcast at gmail.com. As we've said before, subscribing to our episode and leaving positive reviews are one of the best ways you can help support our podcast. It doesn't cost you anything and it really helps us. Now let's dive into this week's case. So this case takes place in Skidmore, Missouri. Skidmore is an incredibly small town with just 225 people living there as of 2021. This case has been covered by a couple of people, um, so I'm going to mention their podcasts in it. One of them was Crime Junkies. I think that all true crime fans have listened to them, but another really popular podcast that I know that we personally are a big fan of is True Crime Garage, and they mentioned that the population of Skidmore actually decreases a little each year, and it has continued this pattern over the last 100 years. When True Crime Garage covered this case, I think they said the population was like 260, so it's even went down just from their recording, however long ago that was. Skidmore is located in northwestern Missouri, and it's like the whole town is only 210 acres. I know that we know people with farms bigger than this town. The family, my family actually lives near Skidmore, and when my cousin suggested the case, she actually said the whole town is just sketchy. Um, upon further investigation, when I was researching this, I was really shocked by it. I had heard of several episodes that covered Branson's case, so I was pretty familiar with it. But I guess I didn't realize the whole town is just messed up. The founder of the town actually died in 1891, but he had nine children. Four of them died in childhood, and three died as young adults. It doesn't say that their deaths were tragic or anything, but just not good odds on keeping his kids alive. And that kind of was like a spooky start to the town, if you asked me. I can't imagine anything worse than a child death. The history section of Skidmore's website actually tells about Martiny Skidmore, who founded it. But about one-third of the article is literally just talking about death. And that's pretty fitting because that's really a big deal in this town. The way people die is terribly tragic. Skidmore is most well known for the unsolved murder of Ken Rex McElroy. There have been books written and movies made over this murder. Um, 
we're just going to give you a brief overview from medium.com. I feel like they gave a really good description. If we would have actually covered this whole case in here, we couldn't have. This would have been like a multi-part episode and it would have been crazy. And I don't feel like he really deserves that much attention. So this is just going to give you a little overview of Ken's lifestyle into murder. And it's kind of a long quote, but it was a really great summary. So Logan will kind of tell you about Ken's life now. Okay, so it says, In the 60s and 70s, Ken McElroy was Skidmore's boogeyman. He was beyond a bully, more of a self-imposed dictator who ran the town of Skidmore like his personal kingdom, literally raping and pillaging for two decades. He stole constantly from local farmers and businesses and assaulted people at will in all kinds of ways. He took women and girls he found attractive as he was 12 years old to add to his family that included multiple wives at once and over a dozen children. He held a legal stronghold over anyone who dared to press charges with the aid of his mob-connected lawyer and intense harassment campaigns that included stalking, shootings, killing of pets, and arson. Even the police feared him. When after, years of when after years of abuse, a mob of local citizens surrounded McElroy in the center of the town and fired a few fatal shots into the white trash terrorists, not one of, not one of the more than 50 witnesses say they saw who pulled the trigger. To this day, every last citizen has refused to speak and no one was ever arrested in the vigilante slang. Okay, so I've totally heard of this case or of this guy, actually. I don't know if it was a podcast or a book I read, but you guys should totally look into this because like the actual whole story, like Kaylin said, it's really long, but it's so interesting and like so mind blowing. And it's kind of the reason this town had such a downfall, I feel like. So you guys should totally look into this because it's such an interesting story. And it's like so mind boggling that this guy got away with all these things. I actually had not heard of his case. So when I was reading it, I was really shocked. And I was I started out like actually taking notes, writing all this information down. And I just decided he was really a nasty man. Like, he just was not a good person. So I was like, we don't need to even give him the time of day in this episode. But we are going to talk about some other people that had tragic fates. He was just one of the first, um, maybe the first murder, but one of the first that they talk about. So this murder is what is believed to have started the Skidmore curse that some people think takes over the town. If you're not driving right now, I highly recommend just Googling this guy. Like Logan said, it's a crazy story, but he literally looks mean. Like, his pictures look scary. People think the town was never the same from that point on and that it's cursed. It didn't seem like it had a lot going for it even before the murder of the town bully. I mean, they let him get away with horrific acts while he was still alive. That's just why they think it's the Skidmore curse. I don't necessarily know that things like this wouldn't have happened in that town anyways because it's just not a great population. Um, 
it's not really growing. It's just constantly decreasing. So obviously nobody's really investing in it. But that's just my opinion. The cases I'm going to tell you about today are what some people say is the result of the curse. So we're going to focus on and start with Branson throughout this episode. Branson was born on February 24th in 1981 to his mother, Rebecca Kleino, she goes by Becky, and his father, Bob Perry. Branson was the oldest with two younger brothers. His parents actually divorced when he was in high school, and Branson chose to live with his father. Branson's parents had a pretty amicable separation, and there weren't any hard feelings between Branson and his mother. He just wanted to live with his father because they were incredibly close, and some think that he felt obligated to be there for his father. Branson's father had some health issues, so he kind of helped his dad out. Branson had some health issues of his own, and he actually suffered from tachycardia, but that didn't keep him from being active. Branson and his father enjoyed hunting, fishing, and hiking together. Branson was also trained in martial arts, and the specific kind that he specialized in, he was a black belt. I can't say the name of it, so I'm not even going to try, but a black belt sounds skilled to me, but I don't know if the different... I didn't even honestly know there were different kinds of martial arts, so I don't know if maybe the belts mean different things there. I know, like, in karate, I think a black belt is the highest, so that's just what I was going with. Yeah, I also didn't know there was different types of martial arts, so interesting. Okay. But yeah, I agree. A black belt, that sounds like you know what you're doing. Sounds like you could beat me up. And obviously that requires some like physical exertion. With tachycardia, the actual like definition is a rapid heartbeat that may go regular or irregular. It's just out of proportion to the age and level of exertion or activity. We all can experience um, this when we do things also like exercising, fear, anxiety, stress, anger, but he has it obviously irregularly to where he experiences it at a point where he shouldn't because he is, whatever the effort he's exerting, it doesn't match how fast his heart rate's going for his age and um, health. Branson graduated high school in 1999, and he continued living with his father while he entered the workforce. He chose not to go to college and just decided to go straight into working. Branson started off in roofing, but when he lost that job, he began working with a traveling petting zoo. Branson was actually unemployed at the time of his disappearance, but he was looking for a job. It's believed that Branson was involved in manufacturing and peddling drugs in like a lower level of a drug ring that was actually operating in the small town. So I assume that that was bringing in some form of income and he just had the other job because he can't obviously tell his family that that's what he does for money. Branson kept his drug involvement pretty close to the chest. His aunt said that Branson was compassionate and loved nature but she actually had no idea that he was involved with drugs, despite how close she was to him. She knew of all the other activities and happenings in his life, but she was not aware of this secret he had been keeping from his whole family. 
Branson actually told his aunt about this part of his life when he first decided that he wanted to get clean. He was supposed to be going to a rehabilitation center a couple of days after he disappeared. I can't help but wonder if this had anything to do with his disappearance. Maybe getting out of the manufacturing and distribution of these drugs would have been a big deal for his group, and they just weren't willing to accept that he wasn't going to be a part of it anymore. I don't know this for sure, but I mean, it's a small town, so if he's on a lower level of a drug ring in a small town, it's not like he's messing with the Mexican cartel or something, but I don't know. We'll kind of talk about that later. So we're going to go ahead and go to the day that Branson disappeared. Branson was 20 years old at the time of his disappearance, but he would be 42 years old if alive today. So he has been missing for 22 years, and his family only got to be with him for 20 years. Branson was 5'9 and weighed about 155 pounds. He was last seen wearing shorts, a t-shirt, necklaces, and leather trinkets or chains with arrowheads on them. These aren't obviously known exactly, but they think that he would have had them on when he went missing. Branson had blonde hair and blue eyes, but he had a faint scar on his upper right cheek and his left knee. We know that scars and tattoos are good identifying factors, so I think that those are very important to remember since he is a missing person. On Wednesday, April 11th of 2001, Branson was preparing his house for his father to come home. Branson's father, Bob, had been in the hospital, but was getting close to coming home. Branson wanted the house to be clean when his father got home, so he and his friend, Jenna Crawford, spent the day cleaning. Some sources state Branson's grandmother, Joanne, was also there helping, but there is conflicting information regarding this. We do know for sure that there were two other men that were in the residence that day, but the two men were actually replacing the alternator in Bob's car. They weren't there to help clean. After Branson and Jenna were done cleaning, Jenna Crawford took a shower and went upstairs to rest. Around 3 p.m., Branson suspiciously retrieved something from a kitchen cabinet and then went outside. You'll want to remember that detail specifically. But anyways, Jenna looked out the window and saw Branson talking to the men working on his father's car, and then he walked away from the house. Jenna called out asking what he was doing, and he said that he was running the jumper cables to the shed, and then he had to go out for a few minutes. Branson was insinuating that he would be back shortly, but this just didn't happen. Jenna claims to have seen Branson toss the jumper cables in the shed and then walk away. Jenna claims to have seen one of the men that was working on the car go and retrieve something from the same kitchen cabinet that Branson had earlier that evening. When Jenna asked what the guy was doing, he said nothing and went back outside. Jenna left later that evening and closed up the house, but it's just said that she closed up the house. It's not known to us specifically if she locked it or not. This is something authorities might know um, and just are keeping close to the chest, but we'll find out later that the house wasn't locked when Branson's grandmother checked on him. Branson typically visited his father daily in the hospital, but Branson didn't show up on the 11th, the day that he was super busy cleaning the house. Branson's father expected him to be by that evening, and it was odd when he didn't show up, but he didn't think anything of it. Branson's father told his mother, so Branson's grandmother, that he had never shown up when she came to visit with Bob on the 12th. 
This was alarming enough for Branson's grandmother that she decided to further investigate. She decided she would just drop in and check on Branson to make sure everything was okay. When Joanne arrived, she found out that the house was empty and doors were locked and open. Joanne knew right away that something was wrong, but nothing inside appeared to be out of the ordinary, and there weren't any signs of any disturbance or foul play detected right off the bat. I mentioned earlier that Jenna claimed to have locked up. Even if she didn't physically lock the doors, I think it's safe to assume that she did close them at least. So either Branson came back or someone else did and failed to close the house back up. Branson's family reported him missing on April 17th of 2001, and foul play was immediately suspected. Branson's van, wallet, clothing, and all other personal belongings were left in his home, and he had not been seen since walking away from his house with just clothes on his back, with just the clothes on his back. The police interviewed multiple suspects early on, but they all passed lie detector tests, leaving authorities puzzled for a while. Another odd detail is that the jumper cables that Jenna saw Branson put up were not there when the police originally searched the property. The jumper cables were there when it was searched a second time, though. I feel like that is a little bit odd. Like, do you think that they just missed, the police just missed the jumper cables the first time? Or do you think that they were taken back? And if they were taken back, like, do you think it was because they knew police were going to be investigating and that was like a detail that Jenna would remember? Or do you think, I don't know, that's just really weird to me. I wonder if the, like in the police files, it says anything about why they suspect that they were just not there one day and then there the next. So, actually, the officer, like, specifies. He says that they were not there when he looked the first time. And then um, really reiterates that they were the second time. Branson's tragedy isn't the only one to strike his family, though. In 2004, a few years after Branson's disappearance, his cousin Bobby Joe Stinnett was murdered in Skidmore. Bobby was just 23 years old and eight months pregnant. Bobby and her husband ran a dog breeding business, which connected Bobby with Lisa Montgomery. The two bonded over being pregnant at the same time, and they developed a friendship over the internet. On December 16th, Bobby was meeting with a potential buyer, but it was really just Lisa using an alias. Bobby's mother discovered her lying in a pool of blood just one hour after the murder. Bobby was strangled to death and then had her fetus cut from her womb by 36-year-old Lisa Marie Montgomery. Lisa was arrested the day after Bobby's murder in Kansas, where the baby was also recovered. This sweet baby girl was thankfully returned to her father, and Lisa was charged with kidnapping, resulting in death. Lisa was tried and found guilty in 2007, and then executed on January 13th in 2021. Lisa was the first female federal inmate to be executed by lethal injection since 1953, and she was the fourth overall. Holy crap, like this town is literally 
insane. <laughs> like, I never want to go there. It's barely even that a is town. Just crazy. It's like the smallest little. That's what's so crazy. It's like literally not even hardly a town. There's like 200 people. Let the like the craziest things happen. Like this one we hear all the time about, and not all the time, but it's kind of often you hear about women who are pregnant having their babies cut out of them. And this teeny tiny town has one of the cases that we've heard about. Yeah, that is nuts. I didn't, I totally heard this case and I didn't know that it was this town. So Bobby's death struck the family after Branson disappeared, but Branson wasn't the first tragedy. Branson had a cousin, Wendy Gillenwater, that was murdered, that could be wrong, that was murdered on October 16th of 2000 by her boyfriend, Greg Drago. This was the year before Branson disappeared and was also suspected to be related to drugs. Greg is serving a life sentence at a prison in Cameron, Missouri. This was a domestic abuse case where Greg allegedly beat Wendy to death. Some sources use the word stomped, which I feel like those are pretty pretty different descriptive words and kind of important. I also read that he may have had her hanging from his car and dragged her around the town of Skidmore until she died. The tragic murders of Wendy and Bobby are not related to the disappearance of their cousin Branson, but it was just too crazy not to, not to include their murders. There were three victims murdered in one family. None of them were related reasons. There weren't like, there wasn't, it wasn't like someone was specifically targeting this family, but they were all in or near Skidmore, Missouri, a small town that I want to remind you has only 250 people in it. Yeah, definitely going to avoid this town. If I ever have to drive through it, I will drive 50 miles out of my way to just not drive through it. While the convicted murderers in the other two cases are not involved in Branson's case, it doesn't mean that authorities had no other leads to look at. There were several promising suspects over the years regarding Branson's disappearance, including the Perry's very own neighbor. So this is a very like sad um, little tangent that actually happened to Branson before he disappeared. On April 7th, Branson was visiting with his neighbor, Jason Bierman, and was given an unidentified drug. This drug caused Branson to act pretty out of character. Branson actually stripped naked, danced around, and potentially participated in sexual activity with Jason. Several sources state that Jason raped Branson, and I think that's a fair assumption considering that he gave him a drug that caused Branson to act so out of it. I don't think there's any way that could have been consensual, but I also don't want to accuse someone of something that isn't necessarily proven. So on April 8th, the very next day, Branson was sober and humiliated. Branson confided in his father about the situation that had occurred that had occurred the day before. His father had always suspected that his son was gay or at least experimented with his sexuality, but he didn't think this was the same thing. He was furious that a neighbor potentially took advantage of his son by intentionally drugging and raping him. There aren't any other details about the neighbor and his involvement in the investigation, but I understand why people are so suspicious. I mean, this occurred just days before Branson was last seen, 
And it was a really tragic event to take place before someone disappears. The next suspect was found during Operation Candyman. Operation Candyman was a mission that the FBI was on to arrest as many people as they could that were involved in child pornography. Whether it be distributing, obtaining, whatever, if they were involved, they wanted to get them. They wanted to get as many pedophiles as they could, and this led to their discovery of Jack. So in 2003, Jack Wayne Rogers was arrested for unrelated crimes, but it was linked to Branson's case because Jack had written a very suspicious post online. The online post detailed a rape, torture, and murder of a young blonde boy that was hitchhiking and fit Branson's description. Jack claimed to have buried the boy in the Ozarks. Branson's family had never known him to hitchhike, and he acted like he was just running to town and back, so it's not likely that Branson was the hitchhiker or that he was hitchhiking, period. Jack Wayne Rogers was a former Presbyterian preacher and a Boy Scout leader. Jack was in trouble for the child pornography in Operation Candyman, like we mentioned, and along with the weird post potentially related to Branson, there were other posts about the murder of several other men that just raised red flags for investigators. Some posts even talked about cannibalism, saying that he ate their genitals. Police even eventually found a turtle claw necklace in Jack's car that resembled one that Branson wore, but obviously they had no way to prove it was Branson's. Jack was never charged with anything to do with the disappearance of Branson, and he claims all of his online work was fictional. And they did call it work, which is cringy to me. Branson's mother doesn't believe that Jack was guilty either, which we'll talk about why later. But I just wanted to go ahead and mention that. In 2004, Jack Wayne Rogers was convicted of assault, illegal surgery, child pornography, and obscenity. He received a 17-year sentence for assault, seven years for illegal surgery, and 30 years for child pornography and obscenity. The illegal surgery had to do with the instance where he supposedly tried to perform a sex change surgery on someone in a hotel room. This guy was a preacher and a Boy Scout leader. He had no medical experience or training, but he just went for it. That is crazy. That was like one of the most shocking, like everything he said was so crazy to me. But the fact that he literally just performed, tried to perform a surgery, that blows my mind. Branson's family had experienced a lot of tragedy, obviously, and both of his parents died rather young. Branson's father died in 2004 and his mother passed away in 2011. Branson's mother had melanoma, but she was at peace with her son's disappearance when she died. She secured a plot next to her own, even, along with her son's headstone that listed his date of death. While the sheriff originally over Branson's case was retired, he hadn't forgotten about Branson's mother. When he found out how close she was to death, he wanted to give her the information he had. The sheriff claims to have uncovered information indicating that at least two, but up to nine, 
people were involved in Branson's disappearance. Branson was believed to be shot in the head and then buried. They have searched the area that they believed his body was, but they also heard that the body had been moved at some point during the investigation before it could be discovered. I think it's incredibly thoughtful of the sheriff to give Branson's mom this tiny piece of closure before her death. I understand how this could be damaging to a conviction, but it doesn't sound like the prosecuting attorney is interested in pressing charges without a body, and his body may never be discovered. I also think that giving his mom that last little bit of hope that maybe her son's remains could at least be placed next to her if they're ever found was really sweet. And it just shows that she went to her grave loving and taking care of her children just as long as she could. Just like most of the cases we talk about, drugs are a big factor in this one. And so is the area. Just like most of the cases we talk about, drugs are a big factor in this case and and in the area. There are just so many places to hide a body here, like we talk about all the time around our area, that his body could never be discovered. Yeah, so that is an issue, I feel like, all around Missouri. Like, I feel like anywhere you are in Missouri, you can drive, like, 10 minutes and be in the middle of nowhere and find somewhere where, oh, I could hide a body there, or I could throw a body in this body of water. So I feel like that's a big issue with all of these Missouri unsolved cases. But I am super proud that this sheriff wanted to let the mother of Branson know before she died everything that he knew and just kind of put her at a peace of mind like, yes, we potentially know who did this to your son and we know how it happened, but we can't convict and we've looked for him and have came up short. But just knowing that, you know, she had some sort of closure, just knowing the possible story. And like you said, that she already had this grave set out with the death date on it and everything. So just to know like she's going to the grave and like you said, potentially one day if they do find Branson or even if they don't, that spot is still there for him. That is really awesome. And I feel like you don't hear that in a lot of cases. Law enforcement are so like tight lipped with everything. Yeah, I think so too. And I think this goes to show there's a lot of cases that we just speculate on and we talk about what we think could have happened, but law enforcement have actually investigated and they have feet on the ground and they really could know, like they could know every case we're doing that it's who did it and just not be able to convict them. So I think this is kind of just proof that like there's a lot we don't know kind of like in the um in the Delphi murders um Abby and Libby everybody had so many speculations we didn't understand how authorities didn't ar- hadn't arrested anybody and then when they did finally make the arrest i just feel like so much came to light it's so crazy just figuring out the different pieces that they had pieced together and getting to learn what they knew all along but everyone else was just waiting to find out which I understand the reason for it. It's just really interesting. And I think that's why I like listening to the, um, 
listening to the podcasts that cover the trials specifically, I really want to listen to one on that, the Delphi murders. But back to Branson. So basically the sheriff says that they have found a suspect or suspects, but not enough evidence to make an arrest. They believe that a body will need to be found to make an arrest. And as of today, Branson's remains haven't been found. They also say that everyone is too scared to come forward and assist in this case. Logan, do you want to read that quote from the sheriff that we had? The sheriff gave this quote. I think it was he was with a group of individuals that he knew when he was murdered. And it's, pr- and it's pretty simple as that. The sticking point on this, I believe, is that we are dealing with drug culture. They're not willing to give much information and we don't know where the body is. So yeah, that is the case of Branson Perry, which I am very confident is a murder, but it is technically just a disappearance. I hope for Branson's brothers and other family members that are still alive that they can one day lay that they can one day have their loved ones remains located and put to rest. Like Logan said, I am just thankful that they have a place to go and remember him and it's right next to their mother. I'm afraid that nobody will ever be held responsible for this poor boy's death, but I hope that it keeps them up at night knowing what they did or who they're protecting. Even if they aren't the ones that murdered Branson, if they're protecting him, they're just as guilty. Branson was an attractive boy trying to get his life back together and get it back on track by leaving the drug scene and finding a job. He was only 20 years old and had his whole life ahead of him. I think that everyone can understand being so young and not knowing what you want to do with your life, but we were all given the chance to figure it out, whereas Branson was robbed of his opportunity. I hope, just like his other family members, that maybe someone will be convicted. I think it's pretty good odds that two out of three um, had their killers arrested and they spent the rest of their days in jail. If you want to see pictures or information related to this week's case, though, you can follow us on Instagram at Bones, a true crime pod, like us on Facebook at Bones, a true crime podcast, and email us with any questions or case suggestions at Bones, a true crime podcast at gmail.com. You can follow our episode on your favorite podcasting host like Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that our episodes are automatically added to your feed every week. I know sometimes that causes confusion. People think they have to come listen to them through Podbean, but that's not actually true. You can follow us just like any other podcast on your socials. So let us know what you think about Branson's disappearance. Okay, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.